peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our next day's message comes from the New Testament reading of Romans, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a joke that I tell every once in a while. You may have heard it if you've been around me long enough. A bunch of people die and go to heaven. And they meet St. Peter at the pearly gates, and he's going to give them a tour of heaven. And as they're walking around, eventually they come to this huge brick wall. And on the other side, you just hear this great celebration happening. It's like there's this party going on on the other side of this wall. Music, singing, dancing, even though you can't see it, you know they're dancing. And someone says to St. Peter, like, like, what is this? What, what's going on? And St. Peter says, oh, that's just the Lutherans. They don't think anyone else is here. We are here at Peace Lutheran Church. At the corner of Gilmore and Rothesay. You walk across the street, you'll find yourself at Douglas Mennonite Church. If you keep walking a little farther in that direction, you're going to find yourself at St. Anne Ukrainian Catholic Church. If you go in the opposite direction, you can find yourself at North Kildonan United Church. If you keep going a little farther that way, you'll find yourself at McIver Mennonite Church. Within minutes of walking distance of where we are, there are multiple churches of different denominations. I once heard someone ask this question. How come there's a church on every corner, but we can't seem to get along? Now, there's not a church on every corner here, but, I mean, certainly there are a number of churches that I just mentioned, and they're all different. And there are many churches right around us of many different denominations. And they're all different for different reasons. But that doesn't mean that they won't be in heaven. I'm a Lutheran. I was baptized a Lutheran as an infant. I'm also a Lutheran pastor. All I know is being a Lutheran as far as my ties to any one specific denomination. But even within the denomination of Lutheran, there are different synods that believe different things. So even within Lutheranism, we all can't get along. Why is that? What has brought us to the point of disagreement that creates differences? Last week we asked the question, do we change the Word of God, or does the Word of God change us? It's how we answer this question that brings us to where we are. If the view is that the Word of God is not the Word of God, but rather the Word of man, well, then it's easy to change the Word of man. Because man is not perfect. Man is flawed. Man makes mistakes. As opposed to, if the view is that the Word of God is the Word of God, God is perfect. God is without error. And thus, His Word is is without error, and not something that we can change. If the view is 
The Word of God was written to a specific people in a specific cultural setting, and that cultural setting no longer applies to us, well, then it's easy to change the Word because we need to keep up with the times. We need to be able to adapt the Word to fit the culture of today. As opposed to, if the Word of God is the Word of God, and that it means it is the perfect, timeless Word of God, written for all people for all time, then it does not matter what cultural setting you are in. God's Word will speak to it. God will speak to it. If the Word of God speaks to certain behaviors or actions as being wrong and sinful, but the world that we live in today doesn't believe those things to be wrong or sinful, well, then we need to change the Word of God so that it's not so judgmental and condemning. As opposed to, if the Word of God speaks to certain behaviors or actions as being wrong and sinful, because God says that they are wrong and sinful, regardless of the world, of what the world says, then they are wrong and sinful. If the Word of God says one thing, but our human reason believes that God intended it to mean something else, then we can find ourselves back in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden with the same question that the devil poses to Eve. Did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Because I don't think that's what God actually meant. I mean, sure, he said it, but he only said it because, you know, he was just trying to keep you in line, trying to make you fit into this specific box. He's just trying to take away your fun. And as we might know, that did not turn out very well for Adam and Eve or for Satan. But God can take the worst things in our life and turn them into something beautiful. Adam and Eve disobeyed God and brought sin into the world. And with sin came death. And with physical death came eternal death. Hell. From the sin of one man, all people are condemned. Even though there are Lutherans, Mennonites, Catholics, Orthodox, Baptists, United, right around the corner from one another, there is something that is the same for all of us. And we hear that in the reading from Romans chapter 3. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all fallen short. None of us are able to live up to God's standards. We were born into this life sinful, and because of our sinful nature, we do sinful things, and those sinful things lead us away from God. Our sinful minds think that we know better than God when it comes to things like His Word, our sinful minds think that human reason is better than the words, the minds, and actions of God. I'll tell you this. If you find any errors with the Word of God, 
are you willing to stand up to the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God and tell him that his word is wrong? That he is wrong? That wasn't a rhetorical question, by the way. I'd, I'd actually like to know if you'd be willing to do that. Because if you would, I'd like to go grab a bag of popcorn and see how well that goes over. We're sinners. We think we know better. And that's what happens every time that we sin. God's word says, don't do this. And then we, in our temptation, say, but this looks so good. And it's, it's not going to hurt anyone. And everyone else is doing it, and I think I'm just going to do it. Yep, I did it. And as Romans says, through the law comes knowledge of sin. Well, how do we know what sin is? Well, through the law. And the law has been written on all of our hearts. And so we go against God, and we know that it's a sin. And we're right there in the same place as Adam and Eve, caught with the fruit in our hand, still chewing on that which was pleasing to our eyes. The punishment for Adam and Eve is the same punishment for us. We deserve death, physical death, yes. And we also deserve eternal, yeah, eternal death, hell. Yes, we do. But in the moment of punishment for Adam and Eve, God gave promise. He gave the promise that the Messiah, the Savior, would come, and he would bruise or crush the head of the serpent, and the serpent would bruise his heel. And many years later, that promise is realized and fulfilled as Christ comes into the world, born of the Virgin Mary, both true God and true man, perfect in every way, unlike us, resists every temptation that comes his way, unlike us, dies on the cross, voluntarily laying down his life for us because we cannot be saved any other way. And three days later, he rises from the dead, giving us the forgiveness of all of our sins. And giving us the promise that all who believe in him will have everlasting life. That those who have faith will not go on to eternal death, hell. But they will go on to eternal life, heaven. Faith, which is a gift from God. Forgiveness, which is a gift from God. Salvation, which is a gift from God. And there is nothing that we do to deserve it. But God gives it to us all because of his great love for us and because of his grace. As Romans says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's exactly what we heard last week from Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Not our work, but all God's. By grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. But many years later, these words of God got lost. 
or at least Satan, came along to Christ's church and said, did God really say that the only way to heaven is through Jesus? Because I think it's Jesus plus your works. Because Jesus' work wasn't good enough. You need to do something to earn your way to heaven. And that is the world that Martin Luther was faced with in 1517. The teaching of this time was that Jesus alone can't get us to heaven. He needs our help. Our help. At the time of the Reformation, many in the church believed that though Jesus' work did forgive us, we still needed to do something to partner with him to receive that forgiveness. Maybe he was living a good life. Maybe he was praying the right prayers. Maybe he was going to church. Regardless, this thinking said that what Jesus did on the cross just wasn't good enough to get us to heaven. And so on October 31st, 1517, professor of theology and monk Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the door of the chapel at Wittenberg. And with the sound of that hammer hitting that nail, something changed the world. There was a a revolution, and it was a revolution of returning one to God's word. Returning to the proper understanding of God's grace. And one beginning to see God once again. As God presents himself to us in his word. Of all the 95 theses, there's one that stands out to me like no other. And you already heard it today, it's number 62. The true treasure of the church is the most holy gospel of the glory and the grace of God. Martin Luther and other reformers at this time discovered the truth about what Jesus does for us and for our salvation as they read God's word. And these are summarized in the three sola statements. Sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura. We are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, And we know this through Scripture alone. Martin Luther sought to reform, to bring people back to the Word of God and the treasure that it is. And so in our world today, sometimes we need to reform as well. We need to bring people back to the Word of God, especially when they go against what it says. And it's not because we're better than anyone else. It's not because we're trying to say that we're right and they're wrong. We're all sinners. Sinners who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's about holding firm to the word of God because it is the word of God. And it is the sole authority on all matters. Here we are, a little over 500 years past the Reformation. Here we are, having just celebrated 50 years as a congregation, as Peace Lutheran Church. And that's something to give thanks for. And today, during this time of the year, we give thanks for the work of Martin Luther and what he did to bring people back to the Word of God. 
We give thanks for the many people since October 31st, 1517 that helped put the word of God into the hands of the people in their own language so that they can know of Christ's justification for them. We give thanks for those who put the Lutheran confessions together that help us understand God's words better. Things like justification, which is summed up in the Augsburg Confession, Article 4, which is from 1530. It says this, It is also taught among us that we cannot obtain forgiveness of sin and righteousness before God by our own merits, works, or satisfactions, but that we receive forgiveness of sin and become righteous before God by grace, for Christ's sake, through faith. Jesus died on the cross for us in order to get us for heaven, but he still needs our help. Right? That's what they heard. Counter that to, it is also taught among us that we cannot obtain forgiveness of sin and righteousness before God by our own merits, works, or satisfactions, but that we receive forgiveness of sin and become righteous before God by grace, for Christ's sake, through faith. Not our works. God doesn't need our help because it doesn't get us to heaven. We are forgiven, made righteous, saved by God's grace through faith because of Christ. So today on this remembered Reformation Sunday, we give thanks. We give thanks for Martin Luther. But we do not boast in Martin Luther. We do not worship Martin Luther. We do not boast in being Lutheran because we won't be the only ones in heaven. We give thanks for the word of God that reveals to us God's love for us, seen most clearly in the death and resurrection of Jesus. We give thanks that God has called us to faith through the word and in our baptism. And today and every day, we give thanks for Jesus, for his death and resurrection. And we boast in Jesus Christ and him crucified. We boast in Jesus' resurrection. We boast that our sins are forgiven and that we have eternal life, not because of anything we have done, but because of all that God has done for us. And we worship him and him alone because he and he alone is deserving of all our praise and honor. To him alone be the glory. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.